Hi. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to the Miss Reason Show. You have um, Jay here, and Marie is listening in with us. She's still feeling a little bit under the weather. But we have a special show for you guys. We have Rob Cutts, the entrepreneur. He is a cinema photographer. He is a um, music artist. He, he, he's basically a jack-of-all-trades. Um, we also have two hot topics today that we're going to um, step into briefly before we get into the uh, main interview. Peace. Is, is this Rob? Yes. Rob, can you hear us? Okay. We're having some technical difficulties. Rob, are you there? Okay, so we're having some technical difficulties, which is, you know, it goes right along with the long day I've been having. Um, I'm, I'm hoping you, you're feeling a little bit better than lately, Marie. I know uh, you're feeling a little bit under the weather, but I'm starting to feel yeah. that way, too. Yeah, I'm not sure if Rob's on the phone now or not. Oh, no. And I spoke to him, he said he's going to... um. You know, he he was going to call in. I believe I got a message from him. Okay. Oh, he says that he, that he, uh, maybe he didn't, he didn't know to press one. So I just sent him a message. But our hot topics are um, one that I, I thought would be very interesting and kind of funny to get into is the um, emasculation agenda that seems to be going on you know with the skinny jeans and the other trending clothes that are more feminine for um for men and uh the johnson's uh the short film that they had was strange about the johnson's it seemed like there's a lot more uh short films and um like you, you know little comedic strips where men are dressed like women or, or there's some gay activities going on and it's like they're trying to make it normal you know, even men, man weaves or whatever they call. So um, that's one of the hot topics. And the other is a little more serious is um, immigration. You know, the immigration current events, um, you know, in a few states, there are actually ICE officers that are, you know, um, openly and, and aggressively arresting um, people that they suspect are not legal. And then there are uh, some disturbing Im- images of the camps. And uh, they're not sanitary. They're, you know, the, the the people are not being held in in good places at all, and they're getting some of them are getting sick. So, um, you know, those are the hot topics for today. Hopefully, we can get Rob situated, and we can, um, you know, get get them going loud and clear. Um, Rob, if you're on the line, would you press one? Because there's more than just one caller on the line. So I don't know who is who. Right. I I just messaged him and told him to press one. Uh We haven't had anyone press one yet. Marie, can you hear me? Yeah, um, nobody's pressed one yet. Okay. I just messaged him again. Okay, I don't know. So um, what are you thinking about um, our first topic, this, the, um, the, the emasculation with, you know, all of the skinny jeans and the the man weaves and the clothes, the entire NBA and how they're making, you know, there's, there's actually a clip of uh, one of the ball players on the floor. He's laying on top of a towel. He's butt naked. And another player who we can't see is trying to play with his butt. And he's like laughing and giggling like it's a game. 
and you know, then we got they, you know, they're making an issue for people like Allen Iverson to dress, you know how he dressed, but then it's okay for you to put some flowers in your hair and wear some thigh high boots. Well, I think the emasculation has been started many, many years ago. This is nothing new. And the skinny jean thing phenomenon has been like 10 years now, about 10 years. So they're falling right into it. They think it's the end thing, so everybody's doing it. And I think it's, I think it's disgusting, personally, to see a grown man in some skinny jeans that's sagging. Um, and I think it does feminize them. I think they need to find a better way. Okay, I don't. I think that uh, when I first saw the skinny jean thing going on, uh, I first saw it in New York, and they were fitted. They were not skinny like this. They they just fit. They weren't sagging and baggy. You know, at at one point they used to wear clothes three and four sizes too big. At 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 the beginning, they just were the right size. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't this bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I think, you know, they're making it. They actually, um, last year, I had to fight. Um, we had to do a petition in elementary school for them not to make gender acceptance a thing, like a, cl- a course that they're teaching elementary kids. Well... I don't know. I, I I say ten years because um, I guess it was the white boys that started the skinny jean thing, and then it, then it carried over to the black guys because I have been seeing skinny jeans for I know a good ten years, and it, like I said, it's not. And, and you know, with the sports people doing it now, if a famous person do it, people seem to think it's okay. Everybody should do it, and I just think that <laughs> the people need to grow up. Right. Absolutely. It shouldn't just because somebody famous did it doesn't mean it should be trending. These man weaves, I'm I'm just completely disgusted with that. I'm completely Robert, disgusted the with the man weaves. Yeah, I'm in here. What's going on, y'all? Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. My bad. I had a <laughs> couple of difficulties trying to get on the line, but I'm here. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. You know. Um. Well, we got into the top, the uh, emasculation topic that I had told you about. Okay. Y'all sit up and eat. That I told you about, um, and me and Marie were speaking about the skinny jeans and the man right. weaves and uh, the, <laughs> the entire NBA. And um, I was telling her, I saw a clip where there's a basketball player laying, like he's laying on his stomach butt naked, and another player who we can't see it's trying to play with his butt. Like, you can see the hand. He's trying to play with his butt. And the dude is laughing like it's funny or something. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, I, I also was saying, yeah, oh, I'll, I'll send you the link because I watched it several times because I was trying to, I was confused as to what the fuck is going on. But, <laughs> um, you know, in my in my kids' school last year, we the parents had to do a petition because they were trying to make it an actual part of the curriculum. Um gender acceptance so they're trying to make transgender and uh it was another one that they that i think somebody pulled out their ass but it was another you know type of gender like a fourth gender yeah. that um they're trying to make it acceptable like oh like in, like in the foot you know in kindergarten and fifth grade these kids it's okay for you to think to you to be a boy and think you're a girl and the entire right. school has to accept Damn. you Sure. I mean, I got kids myself, so I ain't really. I'm not really for that. You know what I'm saying? But shoot, I got. I ain't really see a lot about that. I guess I got to look into that too, cause I got two boys. So. Well, you know, I'm here in Atlanta, but we actually had to sign a petition. Like they were trying to make it part of the curriculum, and you know, I have a son, and I have a daughter, and you know, while I, I have to say, and I say all the time, whether my son, it doesn't matter what my son. Or my daughter decides to be, they my kids, so I'm going to love them. But I think that you're, like, when you're putting it in this little child's mind to be this, right. then you're, like, you're, you're you're planting a seed. So I don't think in elementary school we need to tell them, oh, it's okay if you want to be gay. No, we don't even need to discuss sexuality. But, you know, they still put it, um, they put, in fifth grade, they put uh, sex education 
in fifth grade. Right. And I mean, I know that the kids are doing, doing it, it early. Yeah, because kids are more mature now. Like, these kids that are coming out that are saying, I'm really a boy, without, it's a girl, but she really feel like a boy, they doing it at five and six years old. They're not doing it at 12 and 13 and 14 no more. They're doing it at younger ages. And so they feel like maybe if we attack, when we start with talking to the kids early, we can nip this in the bud and, you know, get them to identify with the proper sex or whatever, you know, in a positive way. Not but to, at to five, you just found your another. penis. At five, you just found it, sis. Of course, you're going to be uncomfortable with it because like, you just found it. But they, but these kids are identifying as girls. Some of these kids are are actually identifying as girls, and the parents are letting them live that way. Yeah, I, I've, seen, I've seen it. You know, they're letting the, the, the boys dress as girls and grow their hair out, and, and the school has to accept it, you know. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, I, I, mean, I just didn't. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that's a whole different like, um, different lifestyle. I mean, it, it's gay people everywhere and all that kind of stuff. But I know it's it's a lot more, um, you know, what I mean, predominant down there in Atlanta. Like I heard about it, so I could imagine. Is that? It's actually, you know, like it's a, it has its own culture here. I think because it's more accepted. I think that the the size the 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 size of the population is is the same in other states except. There are more people that are out and open here and in L.A., you know, places like that because it's accepted. Right. Nobody's really right. going to say, what are you doing? Why you got this, this curly uh, Brazilian weave in your hair and you're a 35-year-old man? You know, nobody's going to question you. But, you know, like down here, shoot, you know, it's not even just the men. Um, just being gay in general seems to be trending, you know, here in Atlanta. And if that's your life decision – that's fine, but I personally don't like when people hopscotch. If you have decided to be a man that that, that participates in these activities, that's a life decision. That means you made that decision for life. You can't come back and have a baby on the way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the same thing goes for, you know, the women that, oh, she says she a boy, but she nine months pregnant. Yeah, I see that a lot. You know, a, I, I just... I think it's it's be you know because it's accepted, you know. I mean, I think that certain things have been accepted before, like you know, Prince was on uh, what did it what did they call it uh, metrosexual? Yeah. Where you know the men the men dressed a little bit flamboyant, but you know mm-hmm. Prince was a thought. Yeah, Prince did, he did women. <laughs> right, he was a known thought. He was a known thought, and all the women <laughs> would have traded blouses with him at any day. <laughs> just to get in his room, you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't, you know, it was just a style of dressing. It wasn't like a real lifestyle. It wasn't like, oh, because it's popular, I'm just going to be gay now. But that's what seems to be happening. Like, it's, you know, like nobody is saying it's wrong. And then you have, like, the whole trending thing where all of these comedians now, these internet comedians, everybody got on a wig. I'm like, you know, I think that's getting played out. Yeah, I never was for that. I ain't never understand why they had to go that far to make people laugh. Like, men got to put their lipstick on and all that. Like, I never I never entertained that, to be honest. None, none against, like I said, none against gay people, but I just never, I, that, it never was really funny to me when I see all of them kind of videos. Right. Right. And, you know, like, like you know, I have I have relatives that have chosen it as a lifestyle, but that's a life, like, that's a, that's what I'm saying. It's a lifestyle that they're choosing. I think, for one, we shouldn't push that lifestyle on our children. And for two, if you're making a lifestyle decision, you got to take it seriously if you want us to take you seriously. You know what I'm saying? You can't um, all of the hopscotch. And then these, these man weaves. You go into the barbershop and you getting a weave done, sir? Like, <laughs> I can't. I can't take it. Like, the video pissed me off to the point where I blocked the person that posted the video. And they didn't do anything to me. But I'm like, you know, I I don't need this type of negativity in my life. I'm not about to. <laughs> I don't want to see this anymore. And then you got the the what was it? Uh, something strange with the Jack with the Johnsons or something like that. Whatever the title of this thing is, I've seen it on my yeah. timeline like 57 times. And you know, I normally like whatever, whatever. It's trending, but whatever. Because a lot of these women swore they swore up and down that uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was the most awesome movie, and I was disappointed because 
They had one sex scene, and she asked him to beat her, and then he beat her, and she said, I'm not going to stand for this. It's over. So I was disappointed. But, you know, I'm like, all right, it's trending. And then when I finally watch it, the dude rates his dad. I'm like, why is this, it, like, why Why was it not somebody afraid to put this, to make this a movie, you know, to do this? Yeah, that's wild. Like, when you told me, I, this is my first time hearing about this from you. You know what I'm mean? saying? I don't know how I ain't come across that, but that's. Once again, that's some more wild shit. Like, y'all coming across a lot of crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to clean my timeline up. But I mean, oh, Marie, was it yeah. on your timeline too? No, it wasn't um, on my timeline. But then, but then so I haven't been on Facebook either. Okay, yeah. I hope I need you to check because if it's me, then I'm offended. Like I'm offended yeah, it that might, it's only it coming. It might just be you. It might just be you because I ain't never seen. I ain't never even heard it. When you said the I've dark, seen I'm, it. I've seen it on my timeline at least a hundred times, and then there's like a hundred and something memes made for it. Like there, you know, like um, one guy even posted up, like he put a fake bullet hole on his arm, and he said, "I told my dad it was time for Dindin, and he shot me." Because the guy really comes and he's all happy. He's like, "Hey, dad, it's time for Dindin," and then the father went to take a bath and locked the door, and he raped him because cause no more locked doors. Like it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. I blocked that person that that posted that too, cause I'm not about that life. Like I can't, I I'm, I don't need this type of negativity going on in my life. But they're making it so commonplace for gay activities to be happening, yeah. and it's not just a normal like these two guys are in a relationship. It's like like perverted type stuff, and they making it right. normal. Just like they, I saw an article just now where they said, um, pedophile pedophilia is a sickness. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're trying to make things normal, like perversion. They're trying to make perversion normal. Like, uh, uh, we're supposed to accept these things. Like, right. they had, what, what were we talking about, sis? Um, age, what is it where people, age identification, where you could be a grown man, Rob, and you could say, you know what? I'm identifying as a 10-year-old boy, and that's what I'm going to be. <laughs> For the next year, and people are supposed to accept this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I agree somewhat that it's a sickness, but I'm not no doctor, so I can't really, you know, what I'm saying I ain't about to sit and diagnose nobody or nothing. But I mean, I, I I gotta say, you definitely sick in the head for even thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? It's, but at the same time, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I just look at that like a form of like, you know, what I'm saying <laughs> psychoticness or something. You feel me? Like you gotta be. I don't know, you might have to be, um, you know, putting a, a mental home or some shit like that for something like that, you know what I'm saying? But but that's the easy way out, so, you know, to me, everybody should just get life or get the chair for shit like that. That's just my opinion. Yeah, that's, that's I, a little harsh. I, I feel like with pedophilia, it, we should go back to the old rules and an eye for eye. I feel like okay. we should start cutting off body parts. We should start. I'm. I'm. I. I'll be the first one. You tie his arm down. I'm cutting off body parts. You know, because really, what happens is, let's. Okay, they saying it's a sickness, but I think that's a cop out. That's a scapegoat because if if I was crazy and I wanted to run outside naked, somebody gonna feel like I need to be medicated. But you trying to say that this person can like because they sick, just like uh, the white people start saying that. Um, Sex addiction, they can't control themselves. All right, you want to go out there and be a McThot or Thotnificent? That's between you and your wife or your spouse or whatever. But you can't, like, you know, like, society can't take responsibility for you as a person. You know what I'm saying? We got to be responsible for ourselves. So now it's not safe for my kids because you sick. Nah, right. I can't agree with it. And, and you know, what happens is the kids. The, the kids that this stuff happens to, that's the sickness right there because it's like spilling ink into some water. No matter how, like, even, you know, you drop one little drop, the water, the whole glass is completely dirty, and it and it affects all relationships in these, in these people's lives. And, you know, some of them never get over it. Right. And no matter how hard they try, sometimes therapy is not even enough to, to save you from, you know, the behaviors and the mindset that that puts you in. And by the time some of them do get fixed, they done ruined their life already. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's understandable. 
I, I say cut some stuff off, and I say cut some important stuff off <laughs> so that then they could get medicated properly. I don't think they're going to be able to focus until you cut off the right stuff. <laughs> uh, we don't want you uh, to ever be no, no I don't need to be a judge. I don't no need to be a judge. I'm a, I'm the first to admit it. I'm harsh. I am harsh. I'm the first to admit I can't I can't be a jury member because if I think you're guilty, I'm voting for the for the highest penalty. No, he did what? He he <laughs> shot his baby mother. Oh no, no, he got to die. <laughs> I I don't I don't believe in uh, rehabilitation for certain things. I mean, right. how many times do somebody like when when somebody kills a person? Unless it's like self-defense circumstances, they're kind of likely to kill another person. I mean, you'll never really, everybody's not a serial killer that kills people, but you never really hear about they killed that one person and then they was fine after that. Mm-hmm. You know, like they turned their life around and start reading kids, to, you know, reading the kids in the park and, and walking senior citizens across the street. You know, <laughs> I, I just, I, mean, I don't know. You never know who you around either. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, shoot, you know, growing up where we at, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people. I I fully agree in self defense. You know, you know what I'm saying? You could be around killers and they'll be, you know, smiling and chilling and then you know they just live a regular life. So, I mean, I fully I fully understand that. I'm just saying, like, okay, it's one thing to defend yourself, but it's another thing to just be cold blood and just look. If if somebody got to die, I'm gonna kill this person. You know, that's two completely different things. Now, to know that if it's me or you, then it's you, that's completely different than, well, well, I see this nigga, I don't like that shit he doing, he got to die. You know, that's some that's two completely different things to me. Right. But the other topic is um the immigration. So okay. immigration, what is it, ICE? ICE officers are, like, in in, in several states, Especially on the East Coast, these mm-hmm. people are like running down, like like you know, like they narcos or whatever. They running down on on immigrants and hauling mm-hmm. them off to these camps. And then you get yeah. you know, then there's there's images of the camps and they are laying on floors with these uh these metallic silver uh, thermal blankets, but everything around them is filthy. Yeah. And they're getting sick, and and there's not, you know, like there's not the proper. It's, it's basically not sanitary. They're not getting. And then who's to say how long they actually sitting here before they go where they, you know, where they're supposed to be going? Right. So basically, it seems like concentration camps. How do we know that they're even getting sent to where they're supposed to be going? Yeah, I mean that that right there oh, is wow. real crazy because. I got a lot of friends who's not, you know, we're not even from here. So I, I, I see, like, you know, from afar anyway, I see, you know, people going through, already going through the immigration problems and stuff. So I just say, man, you know, good luck to everybody, man. Bless everybody, you know what I'm saying? Because, like I said, I got close friends who who not from the country. So I understand, you know, it's a, you know, it's a law or whatever they're trying to crack down on. But I just say, damn, you know what I'm saying? Because... I mean, people been here for years. Some people been here their whole life. They gotta go. So that right there is a little crazy. Yeah, I I I just found it crazy that you know, for one, his wife is an immigrant, which means his children's, you know, they immigrants too. So you know, we we watching her, and she barely speak English, and she's the first lady in giving in stealing people's speeches and junk. But you know, you saying people who have been productive citizens here, even though they not citizens, but some of most of these people that live here, they lives, they've worked and they've taken care of their family, and they're not, you know, if they were committing crimes, they would have been arrested and you know sent back home a long time ago. You know, these people are creating lives for themselves, and you know. It's just that simple to just uproot everything. Just pick one type of people and uproot them. And I find it funny that, you know, the target is really, you know, Muslims and Mexicans. But if you look at the mass, um, what is it, the the, the terroristic crimes, who's doing the major killings? They telling us ISIS. But if when we look in the news of the of the crimes that's from the that's here in the states. It's white guys. It's white guys 
ages 35 and up that are doing mass shootings in movie theaters and shooting up churches and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? But, all right, I don't like Muslims, so let's, I don't want no more Muslims coming over here, and any Muslims that's here got to go back home. You know? Yeah, that's that's real discrimination. That's a lot of, that's discrimination to me. I mean, big time. You know what I'm saying? But, I don't know, man. It's changing big time, and I don't know. It's not the same no more. So I just, like I said, for the future, I just pray for everybody who's here already, because, it's looking. It's not looking good. I'm just a little scary. Right. It really is. Okay, so let's get into um, the questions about you. So you started off as a mixtape DJ. Um, how long were you doing that exclusively? Like, how long were you only a mixtape DJ? Oh, man, I probably started, like, DJing probably, like, at 11, 11, 12. Uh, Cause I had a best, I had a best homie, like a close friend of mine, who showed me like a lot of stuff about DJing, and it was real fascinating. You know, in Jersey City, you know, DJing is like the number one form of music. Period. Like, you know, like that's what, that's the biggest form of entertainment for everybody. So, it was real intriguing for me. So I just, I jumped into it, and I'm gonna say probably from like 11 years old to like 13 or 14, I did it. Cause what what happened is it turned me into a producer. You know, most. DJ turned to producer, so it just got like that, you know. And it, it just a lot of people started DJing, so I just kind of like just went on to the next thing. But that's something that I love doing, and um, it's, it's a big thing in the city, so you know I had to be a part of it. Right, that leads into go ahead, put it in the trash, mama. That leads to sorry, I'm mommying at the same time, but um, right. that leads to my next question. Um, Jer- New Jersey, Jersey City specifically, you know, we we had our own flair in um mixtape music, right. and um, do you feel like you made like you made a name for yourself among the DJs that did that? That you know when it was really really popular, when that's all you were here outside or, or, you know, like we weren't even really listening to the radio at one point. I know you remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you made a name for yourself doing that? Um, definitely, definitely. Um, because I was probably like, like I said, my prime at that time, I was probably about 12 years old. And um, shoot, what we, me and my friends, we would just like promote all of my mixtapes all around the city, you know, on foot. You know, we just walk around, you know, the whole city and, and just promote word of mouth. We would go to, like, every store that sell, you know, mixtapes. We would sell mixtapes on the street to everybody. So, yeah, every, you know, most people, you know, they knew me for DJing. And, you know, even even better, like, you know, at the time, you know, people were making jokes about it. But I was one of the first DJs in the city ever that I could think of that started off DJing on the computer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was using turntables and everything like that. But I, I, I made a transition to, like, you know, do the digital thing. And, you know, it was other DJs around the city that was like, yo, you know, how he coming out here doing, you know, you computer DJ? But then it ended up being a thing, you know what I'm saying, because people are not using, you know, turntables and stuff no more. So, you know, it, I definitely feel like I made an impact. Uh, you know, I didn't make the biggest impact because I didn't stay in that long, but I definitely helped the transition from, you know, turntables to digital DJing. And, yeah, man, it just it definitely helped me uh, musically, period, throughout the city, for sure. Okay, so how did you okay. transition from? Go ahead, sis. Oh, I was just I was listening to him, um, thinking about the transition and well, did that make it a smoother transition? Did you have to prepare differently, or it just was a smooth transition? Oh, you know what it was like. I was I started doing both. You know what I'm saying? It was like because they almost go hand in hand. Um, so I was just you know messing around with the beach thing. Um, but when I had a partner, um, you know, I had a partner, man, uh, uh, well, his name is Ski. I don't know what y'all had him on. Jet on the Ski, show. he was, he's talking about yeah. Jet Ski. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. my, he was my partner since he was little guys and stuff. Uh, he always taught me with the music. And, um, you know, he would, like, be like the guinea pig on my beats. He would be, like, the one who rap on my beats. And so we would just, like, you know, put my little beats on the mixtape with him rapping on it. We would ease it in that way. And eventually people were like, yo, you make beats. So once again, I was like one of the first, you know, young producers around the city, you know, making beats or whatever. And at that time, we didn't really have, like, CDs and all that. So it was the point to where I was just, like, making cassette tapes with beats on them. 
and selling them for $5 a beat around the city. You know what I'm saying? So it ended up like that. And um, I don't know, it just my name started getting more known for beats, so then I just stopped DJing. You know, it was kind of hard to do both. People don't really respect. They don't really understand. You know what I'm saying? They didn't understand the beats at that time. So it just was one of the things that I just had to pick or choose one or two. And I don't know, the beats was more appealing to me. You know, I, I like make, I like making beef at the time. So. Okay. 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 So how Go did answer. you transition? How did you transition from doing the mixtapes to producing? Like you just, um, I think you kind of answered the question, but so it was you just made a decision, like okay, if I gotta choose one, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be a producer. Well, it was kind of just like <clears throat> I kind of like. Just I didn't have the same passion for the, the mixtapes anymore. You know what I'm saying? And it was starting to change a little bit anyway. The game was changing a little bit. And I don't know. I just seen more, like, opportunity with the producing. You know what I mean? Like, at the time, a few a few years later, like, um, it was a big group. You know what I mean? It was, like, um, the A-Team. I don't know if anybody heard it. was a long time ago. But it was a big group in the city called the A-Team. And they noticed my beat and stuff like that. So, when they noticed my beats and I had like a small meeting with them, you know, everything didn't really work out the way I wanted it to. But when I seen that, I said, all right, this might be something serious. So, you know, uh, and when I started making a few dollars from it, you know, as a young guy, I was like, all right, I think this is what I want to do. Because I made, a, I made money through mixtapes. Like, um, when I was 13, I made like almost $1,000 just off mixtapes. And that's, that's a real fact. Um, you know what I'm saying? Just as a, as a young guy just running around the city. But I just realized that the beat was just more lucrative, and I felt like it was more long-term. So I just totally jumped out of the mixtapes and just jumped into producing. You know what I mean? And that, that's how that went. Okay. Okay. Well, well, we have a caller. Um, let me see. Caller, you're on the Miss Reason Show. Your area code is 347. Yeah, how you doing? This is DJ Holiday from Nice and Smooth. I've been enjoying you in your show. Um, I wanted to ask the brother, um, when you went from DJ to producing, was it a natural progression or was it was it kind of forced and you forced your yourself to become a producer or from the elements of DJing, was it just a natural progression for you? Well, first of all, I want to say thanks for calling in, man. What's going on, man? Um, love is love, family. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, I'm going to say that it was definitely natural. It was easy because, like you said, the elements is pretty much the same. Like, you know, um, you know, counting beats and learning tempos and, you know, all those little different things kind of was like almost like producing. So, um, yeah, it was it was real easy, man. It was it was something I just fell in love with right away. You know what I'm saying? I kind of grew way more love for the beats than anything else at that time. Um because there's nothing like, you know, hearing another artist on top of your music. And that's what kind of made me say, all right, this is what I got to do. You know what I mean? Like, it was all right to do the mixtapes and stuff. I think that was like training wheels for producing. And if you see a lot Definitely. of producers, and if you see, like, a lot of DJs around the city, that's usually what happens with them. They kind of transition into producers and stuff later on. So it goes hand in hand, if you ask me. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, right, I just wanted to know what your viewpoint was on it. If I may ask you one more question, out of all the, yeah. out of everything you ever produced, do you have like a favorite body of work? That's like when you listen to it, you you're proud that that's your work, something that moves you. Ah oh, man, yeah, you know, um, well, since it's been a long time, but you know, um, just just thinking back quickly, um, you know. I think the thing was that the biggest thing for me um, was when I started working with a, a, a big DJ in New Jersey named DJ Lazy K, and she got me a few placements with, you know, some bigger artists and stuff like that. And once again, uh, <clears throat> you know, I seen, not just to talk about money, but I seen how lucrative it could be, and I also seen the impact that it has on people, you know what I'm saying? So um, just a few artists that she had me working with, um, like not, to, I mean, one of the artists was from like Soldier Boy Camp, you know. One of the artists was from, um, uh, well, I don't really, I don't, you know, the other, another artist was from Young Money, but he's not really known like that. But you know what I'm saying. But the, the thing was is that when I was seeing bigger artists rap on my stuff, like it just it was one of those things to where 
I don't know, it's just something that I had to do. And I think that was my biggest time of producing when I was working with um, DJ Lazy K because she was giving me some good placements with some bigger artists. So, yeah, it was it was, it was was a good stepping stone. I didn't really get the biggest that I wanted to be or anything like that, but I definitely earned some okay credits in, in, in the game with that, and um, that just helps me today with everything that I do. All right, well, here's what I'm going to do for you, all right, because I look out for everybody that I can. I'm very interested in seeing you expand. I DJ on Power 88 and here in Las Vegas. I'm in Las Vegas now. I moved from New York a, a year ago. I'm on Mel Star, Chuck Chillout, Eric B. There's a lot of us here, a lot of New Yorkers here. I need a bed for an intro to my show. I'm going to be in contact with you. I know how right. to reach you. Don't worry about how. You'll find out after this call how I'm going to reach you. But you send me some heat, and I'll start my show with it every single week here in Vegas, and I will acknowledge you. I wish you the best of luck, my brother, in everything that you do. May God be with you. Always keep the most high first, and and then family. Yo, peace, God. I appreciate it, man. One love, y'all, and thank you for having me. Thank you for calling. Thank you for calling. All right. Well, that that was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Y'all popping tonight <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's quite a few callers So caller, if you have a question or a comment You just press 1 and I'll bring you on the air um, So you can have your ask your question or your comment Okay, we have another com- We have another caller Hello caller, you're on the Miss Reason show Hello Hello Peace, peace You hear me? Uh-huh, we, we hear, hear you. you. Peace. Uh, first off, um, I got to say hey to Miss Reed, the Miss Reed Show. Marie, what's up, uh, Just Jay? Um, Cuddy Pops and Linux was good. I, before I even ask my question, though, I just got to say that's dope that uh, DJ Holiday from Nice and Smooth is calling. That's, that's big right there. That was cool. That was cool. That's love. Shout out to DJ Holiday from Nice and Smooth. Shout out to Nice and Definitely. Smooth. Definitely. Shout out to him. Well, uh, I got a quick question, man. My man, Cuddy Pop. Quick so, question. What's, what's next? Who's this what are you about to do? Who's this, who's this calling in, by the way? This is this is, this is nobody, man. This is a this is a, this is a, a regular brother from Jersey City. Uh, I got, I just want to know, um, what do you have planned? That's like, what do you have planned for this next tape that you're about to drop? That's different because I see you making a lot of. A lot of like vague announcements. You put little statements up on the on the books and stuff like that. What is going to be different about how you release this tape than how everybody's releasing their tape? Oh man. Well, I guess we could fast forward a little bit and get right into that. Um, okay. You know, I don't really want to spill the beans too much, but we could we could go halfway in, I guess. Um, you know, pretty much right now, you know, um, yeah, my manager Dick Davis. Videographer, he's, he's you know incredible with you know, all of the sounds and all kind of videos that he does. He does a lot of stuff, but we came up with a great idea for um, my next project. You know, it's a short project, but it's it, it has a lot to it. You know what I'm saying? So pretty much um, this project, this is gonna be project that you can see. You know what I'm saying? So that's already a big Dope. difference right now than anything else. Is that um. Y'all still there? We here. Yeah, oh, my yeah. bad. I heard, I heard some big noise. Um, yeah, pretty much this project is a lot different because it's a project that you can see, literally. You know what I'm saying? Like we we um we plan on doing a visual for every song, and um, you know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's also it's almost gonna feel like a movie. You know, so instead of just sitting there, you yeah. know, on SoundCloud and listening to the songs or anything like that, you could watch the song. You could watch the album all together. All in one, it'll be a big piece of uh, a big uh, body of work. All in one, for you to watch visually, and you know, of course, audio wise, it'll release that way. But yeah, we just trying to do something different. You know what I mean? We we want to, um, you know, kind of, you know, be a little bit more creative with our approach with this. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, right now, I mean, we got a million rappers. I'm sitting next to a million rappers, so you know, what what can we do to stand out? You know what I'm saying? So that's pretty much the route, and um, I think that's going to be crazy, you know what I'm saying, my man Briggs Davis, he crazy with the film, and, you know, I got some ideas, so us going together with that, it's, it's going to be explosive, if you ask me, you know what I'm saying. Dope, dope. I ain't going to tie you up, man, we fucking with you, man. I just keep listening, peace to y'all, man. No doubt, peace. Man. Thank look. you for calling. Thank you for calling. 
Okay. Um, we got any more, sis? No. Okay. So, um, Rob, I see you have uh, over 200 music videos that, that you had your hands in. Um, has that prepared you for what your career goal is, or has it just been, you know, uh, with some people that that we've had on our show, it's like certain things have just fallen into their lap. What, have you been making specific moves to, you know, like um, to head in a certain direction? Um, about the 200 videos, yeah. Um, definitely done about something about 200, maybe a little over that, definitely. And, um, yeah, you know what it is? I I, I jumped into the whole music video thing, not to, you know, get off topic, but I jumped into the whole music video thing as an artist. You know, I I was, like, you know, a little frustrated about trying to look for music videos and and whatnot. And, you know, I just said, you know what, I'm going to pick up my own camera and I'm going to just, you know what I mean, I'm going to shoot it myself. Whoever I get to shoot it and I'm going to edit my, I'll do this myself, so. It started off real, you know, subtle like that, but then, you know, people started noticing my work, you know, for myself, and then they they started asking for videos. So gradually, it just got it, it turned into a business. You know, what I, mean? I had to make it a legitimate business, and um, <clears throat> that wasn't really the goal originally, you know, to sit here and do, you know, a bunch of music videos, um, because really, you know, I'm into film, you know, I'm, I'm into short films, and eventually. You know, uh, some feature film, you know, but um, you know, now I've grown a love for it, so I'm still on the fence about, you know, if I want to expand even more and just become, you know, the top music video director, or do I want to be, you know, the top film director for movies or you know sitcoms, anything like that. So that's that's a, that's something that I, I'm trying to balance out at the moment. Um, I haven't really made a, just a complete decision yet, but just Going naturally, um, music video is definitely the most dominant, um, you know, the most dominant thing that I do at this moment. Okay. Uh, Marie, did you have a question? Um, Well, you said music videos is what you do. I mean, um, you just said what you do mostly. But so that would be your ultimate career goal, or what is your ultimate career goal? Now, the ultimate career goal, see, I, I, I wear so many hats that it's kind of hard. You know, I'm I'm very spontaneous. So it's kind of hard for me to pick one thing. But I think my ultimate career goal, honestly, is to do feature film. That's what I'm going to say because at the end of the day, I mean, I don't want to say and do a million music videos. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, I want to do feature films. You know, I love film. I love you know, um, working with actors and actresses and things like that. So I think ultimately you will see, um, you know, a big feature film by me. And, of course, most likely my my, my partner, Bruce Davis, will have his hand in it, of course. Um, so <clears throat> that's what the future brings. But like I said, I've been, you know, doing music still. I haven't really dropped the music thing. I haven't been producing mm-hmm. anything like that. I've just been kind of, you know, making music, rapping and things like that. But, um it's kind of one of those things. I wear a lot of hats, so I'm still on the fence about the exact, you know, primary goal at this point. But I gotta say, feature film, if I could just say it off time. Okay. So, how do you balance with all your hats that you wear? How do you prioritize your projects that you take? I mean, like, what hat take? What hat takes priority out of all of the hats that you wear? Um. At this moment, music videos is the number one priority because, I mean, that's how I pay bills. And, you know, that's a frequent, you know, business. That's, you know, I, I shoot, you know, at least, you know, anywhere between three to five music videos a week most likely, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's just, it's a nonstop thing. So, um, even if I wanted to stop, it's almost like I can't stop, <laughs> you know. So, the ball's already rolling. The train's already rolling. So, it's, it's almost, there's no stopping with that. Um so right now at the moment that would be the primary hat definitely. But I do I do music all the time. Like I make so much music, you know. My SoundCloud is you know full of songs. I try to do new releases as much as I can. And even on my YouTube, I try to release new music videos of myself as much as I can. But you know, unfortunately, the priority is still not unfortunately, but 
you know, at the moment, the priority is still on music videos for other people. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to take you back. Um, Dina, we, we got into your music. My question is, do you remember um, the title of the first song that you that you did as an artist? And is it something that you're still proud of? <laughs> uh, shoot. Nah, I don't remember at all, to be honest. I don't remember the first song I did because, just to be quite honest, I always rapped. Like playing around, like once again, me and my my partner Ski, when we was young, we just we would put together two like little radios and like try to rap or whatever in the back room. So we would do that, and so I, I always had my hand in that. But the first song, seriously, I can't really remember the title. I, I, I can't really remember the title. But what I could say is that I'm pretty sure it was terrible. Like whatever it was, it was just horrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was horrible. So, right. And I just just from y'all telling me that now I got to do some research and look back and and see what that's about because now I want to know. <laughs> All right. Well, how are you just gonna assume it was horrible? It might have been okay for that stage in your life. I'm sure at that time you thought it was dope. Like you, you know, you yeah, might have had your right. little box fade and you was you was banging that walking down the street, wasn't you? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, mean, I was. I, I probably was. You know, I thought I was good, but. I'm telling you, it wasn't good, you know what I'm saying? So I remember that. <laughs> that. That I do remember. But that's all right because, I mean, I don't really feel the way about myself now, so that just tells you that it's progress, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, of course, you know, you always want to grow in, in whatever your passion is. So, um, okay, that leads to a question. Um, what would... Rob Cuts right now, tell little little 13, 14-year-old Cuts, if he had to go back and he had two minutes to tell him one thing, what would, what would he say? Ah, man. I would say don't, like, you don't have that much time. As much time as you think you have when you're young, you don't have that much time. Like, do it now. That's, that would be what I would tell myself. Because I feel like, you know, when you're young, you're like, you feel like you can mess up a lot because you're like, all right, I got time to do this again. But, like, I was always told, like, the good people and all the people that are successful are the people who did it right away. You know what I'm saying? They didn't wait on it, and they start early. So that's I think that's what I would tell myself, start early. And even though I did okay. start early, I didn't really take it serious as I could today, you know what I'm saying, like, as I do today. So Right, it was just be, something that you were doing. Yeah, and it was serious, but it wasn't. If I can be the man I am today with that kind of drive that I had then, it would have been unstoppable. Okay. Um, well, how we did you? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, how did you go from the music side to uh, doing short films? Um, you know. It was more so like uh, once again it, it it went with the music videos because <clears throat> the music videos was first before the short film. Uh, so you know the music videos kind of trained me on how to use the camera and how to edit and how to you know get good shots and things like that. And so it was a time to where I was really slow with the music videos. So I started doing a lot of sh- uh, you know not a lot a few short films definitely and. Uh, at that time, you know, um, I didn't even care about music. I stopped doing music probably for about a whole four or five years probably. I was just, you know, just doing film. And I fell in love with it. And it's just one of those things. It's nothing like, you know, creating a whole, you know, re, you know, fantasy world and something like that of your own and putting it on camera, you know what I'm saying, and just, you know, just being who you want to be on, on some movie or some, you know, some show or anything like that. So that was my big thing that motivated me. With that. Okay, so do you have any um, short films that are coming out soon? Yeah, projects do, um, that, that are that are up and coming. Yeah, well, I do have um, a project that's out already called Get Right. Um, if you just type in Get Right short film, it spells just how it sounds. Get Right. Um, that was one of my first. I've done two short films before that, but this is the one I'm most proud of. Uh, it's about. 25 minutes worth, and it's it's a cool little film, you know. There's just something to to kind of like complete something, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 
So Get Right is on YouTube, and then um, I got Get Right 2, the sequel that I did, um, that will be dropping uh, soon, very soon in the springtime. And then um, it's just other projects that I have my hands in, like Brick Davis, he has like three up-and-coming uh, up films that he's ready to release right now that, you know, I'm either acting in or, I you know, I help direct on the side or whatever I did with him on that. So between us both collectively, that's like five or six, um, you know, good films that you could actually check out between uh, already, you know, previous and up until the spring that we have um, out right now. So, and this some ain't out yet, but I just say that... Um, Look out, because you're going to see a lot more. You know, we're always working on different ideas besides music. You know, we're doing, like I said, short films, and even the feature film is coming soon. So stay on the lookout for that, because that will be here. Okay. Marie, do you have any? I was going to ask him about entrepreneurship versus 9 to 5. Um, And speaking for right this moment, which which is coming easier to you, and why? Being an entrepreneur or working a nine to five? Well, you know, uh, my I, I wasn't really raised traditionally to like, you know, have to you know do a nine to five, you know, go to college and like that. I wasn't really raised like that to be honest. My father always was like, you know, running businesses or something like that, doing his own thing. So that was kind of my example already. Um, and I had a lot of nine to fives and things like that, but I just knew that making your own money is just is nothing. There's no feeling like making your own money and making your own schedule and working for yourself. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a lot harder to be an entrepreneur, it's a lot harder to answer your question. It's a lot harder to be an entrepreneur than to work at a job because it is. at a job, you don't have to... absolutely. Go ahead. Because when you went when you're an entrepreneur, you can you can just throw everything down right now and say, I quit. I'm done. I don't, I don't do this no more. You know what I'm saying? And there's no, there's not going to be nobody there to say, you know, oh, oh, you need to go to work or you need to get, there's nobody that's all on you. You know what I'm saying? So being an entrepreneur is all about you, you know, opposed to where at a job, you know, it's, I mean, you're working for someone else. So, I mean, you could just leave and go get another one. I mean, but with this, you, you put so much blood, sweat, and tears, and, you know, hard working to it, it's like you can't walk away from it. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's right. the difference. I actually find the exact opposite. I find it extremely hard on a regular basis to do a nine-to-five. Um, like I've done, I've been working, you know, um, but for me, every day that I'm at work, is like I'm counting my life minutes that I that I'm wasting at this job. Absolutely. And Marie will Absolutely. Marie will tell you I, every day that I work because I I usually only work half the year, um since I've been doing my books and my company. But Marie will mm. tell you every day from August to January, every day when I get home from work, she has to listen to me complain about how many life minutes I spent at this job, and I'm too <laughs> tired to do. <laughs> She, and she's laughing because I, I have told I have told people at my job that I've told my boss that at the last job they were tired of me. They were glad when I told them I was done for the year because I would tell them, you know, every time well, we need you to do this, you know how many life minutes I spent in here already today. I can't stay here late. I can't stay late. I don't have the extra life minutes that you asking me for. I gotta go. Like, I don't. Right. I I, I find it harder to do that than to you. But then again, I write, so I will be at home and I'll be able to stop and have time to multitask or have time to stop and do what I need to do and then get back to it. I absolutely love the love, you know, to be able to to um well to have the freedom, just as you said, to say you know what I'm I'm taking a break. But the good thing about with books is when you're done with that book, you don't necessarily have to write another book right away. You don't have to jump into a, another book right away. You know, mm-hmm. you cannot write another book for three, four months. Or, um, you know, J.K. Rowling, the, the lady that did um, Harry Potter, she's only had eight books, and, and Harry's about 35 right now. And she's only done eight books total. You know what I'm saying? And, and the eighth one just now came out, like last year. She only does one book every couple of years. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and that's okay. And even, you know, with Zane, Zane hasn't she hasn't done books for a long time and she just came out with a book Midnight and everybody went and bought it. You know, once you build up your fan base, you don't necessarily have to 
be, you know, go, 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 go all the time. And uh, and I kind of love it. But being at work, like waking up to have to go to work and clock in, and no matter what I'm doing at the job, I'm always like, I can't. Like, that's the attitude I have. Like, it's stressful on my life for me to have to do this every day. Well, I totally agree with that. I agree with that 100%. That's 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 the hard part of a job is, like, that's what I mean, honestly. I Maybe maybe what I said didn't really make the same. It wasn't relative, but I feel the same way because I don't like waking up for nobody else. You know what I'm saying? I don't like, you know, having to take orders from everybody else. I don't like, just to be honest, I don't like waiting for my paycheck either. You know what I'm saying? Just to right. be honest. So um, all of those things definitely um, play a part in why I want to be an entrepreneur. And like I said, I got kids, so... I want my time, like you said. You know, my, to me, time is more important than everything. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. The freedom, the freedom is the most important to me, and that's why I'm taking on, you know, my own businesses instead of, you know, spending my life away after my job helping them get rich. Right, because you can't get those life minutes back, and that's exactly why I call it that. Because who's to say how many of them we have? And right. you know. You spending eight to nine, eight to ten hours or twelve hours at this job that's never gonna actually get you anywhere but another eight to twelve hours at this job. And this other person is making all this money off of your sweat, and that's time you don't have with your kids. That's time you don't have to to do what you love every day. And, that's and, my and that problem. way, right? And I think that those of us that were that are supposed to be entrepreneurs. That's how you can tell who's supposed to be because we have the hardest time with, you know, like wanting to be at a job, like being happy doing that every day. You know, you'll do it, but you won't be happy doing it. Now, fortunately, I think everybody feel that way, but not everybody's going to go out there and, and change that for themselves. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why you only have a few a small handful of people who actually do do it. Because it's way easier to say, nah, I'm going to just go to work. I still feel like it's easier just to do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. It is. Okay. So um, we are getting close to the end of the show. Uh, I want you to uh, give everybody your uh, social you know, your social media where they can contact you if they want you to, uh, maybe they want some, uh, some production or some, um, mm-hmm. cinema photography, or maybe they want to, um, see your films. So you got to give everybody a way to, um, get in touch with you and see your work. Okay. Uh, well, shoot. I got Instagram, Facebook, you know, Snapchat, I have everything. So, um, I'm trying to make it so that everything is the same at every place. And I, my original name is Rob Cuts, but right now I, I got an alter ego, and you know I've been <laughs> making the transition to Cutty Pop the Menace, and I know y'all, yeah, y'all was some one of y'all was laughing about that and stuff, but you know it's a, it's a funny <laughs> name, but it stand, it stand out, you know what I'm saying? And um, my kids actually gave me that name, so that's why I've been running with it, you know what I'm saying? Um, okay. But, um, you can go on Facebook and type in Cutty Pop. C U T T Y P O P, and I'm the only Cuddy Pop you'll find in this world. So, you type that, you type that in, you'll find me on Facebook, um, Instagram, same thing, Cuddy Pop for minutes. Um, you know, and then on YouTube, you type in Rob Cuts R O B C U T S, and you can find all of my music videos, my short films. Um, you can find anything that's related to me on there. Um, and of course, SoundCloud, same thing, because you know that's where my music is at. I gotta promote that, and that's. Cuddy popped the minutes as well. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, just look out for everything. Like I said, it's always a release of something coming every week, whether it's music, music videos, you know, films, whatever it is, it's always something. We stand productive. Um, like I said, me and my partner, uh, Bricks Davis, we, we, we work together all the time on so many different projects. So, you know, between us working on everything like that, it's, it's, we stay busy. Um, so yeah, just look out for all of that stuff. Everybody hit me up and uh, shoot, I appreciate y'all even having me on the show tonight. It's great. Well, thank you. Um, I do appreciate you um, coming in and you know letting us showcase you. Um, 
uh, I always say this at the end of um, a show with somebody from Jersey City. You know, if y'all if y'all listening, I know y'all are from Jersey City and y'all want to be on the show. Just contact us. Uh, we everywhere um, socially as the Miss Reason Show, or you know, contact me, Just J Warner, on Facebook. Um, I answer inboxes and all that. So if you have a legitimate business, let me say that, and um, you know, you want to showcase. I definitely love to showcase people from the hometown. So don't be shy. But um, thank you so much. I don't even. Thank I can't. I, I think I'm the one that laughed at Cuddy Pop. I can't. But thank you so much, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Thanks all for having me. Thank you for coming. All right. So, um, I don't. I guess that's it, right, sis? Oh, follow uh, Marie Jordan, um, the Miss Reason Show on all all social networks, or uh, Marie Sunshine, right? Um, follow uh-huh. Just Jay Warner. Go ahead, sis. No, it's it's um, Marie Jordan or the or the Miss Reason Show. Okay, and um, I know one of them was Sunshine. I don't think you got that page anymore. But follow author Judge J Warner as well, uh, or on um, Instagram, um, Judge J the author. Um, thanks, thanks for listening, everybody, and um, make sure y'all listen again on Wednesday. We'll be coming back with some more shows. Thank you so much. Everybody have a good night.